Okay, everybody, welcome to Burgess Power Hour. It's been a minute since uh, I've been live on the Power Hour. Been doing this since 2013, every single month. That's 10 years. Wow. Wow. Anywho, um, the last couple of months I've been traveling, doing our retreats. I was in Italy. There were a lot of different reasons we were giving meditations in lieu of our live event. Uh, so we're back live this time, and I am pleased and excited uh, to announce that uh, the person that will be leading us at our power hour tonight is our dear friend, Elisa Lapolt. It's the very first time that I have ever um, invited someone to basically run the power hour for me. So she's I'm excited uh, that she's doing this. I'll be here, uh, here at the beginning just to introduce her and I'll be listening, but I'll have my stuff off and then I'll come on the last 10 minutes or so just to kind of uh, see how she did. No, just to see, uh, cause I'm getting ready to leave for Phoenix tomorrow um, for Essence of Being. So I just want to introduce Elisa to everyone on the, recording and who are who's live now um she lives in nashville tennessee mm -hmm. so I don't, she's not a georgia peach she's i don't know if they call them tennessee what do they call you <laughs> um Buckeye, just, no that's ohio i guess a volunteer tennessee volunteer a volunteer mm -hmm. indeed okay and for the past 35 years her career has been around media and politics so she's been a news reporter covering government, politics, elections for national news outlets such as the Associated Press and USA Today. She's hot, hot stuff. She's also worked as a professional lobbyist in Florida and Tennessee, representing health and mental health organizations, really important. In Florida, get this, she helped pass a law requiring schools to provide mental health education to students, very important. Her company, Top Sale Public Affairs uh, helps nonprofit organizations with advocacy, lobbying, media, communications, and strategy. And in Tennessee now, she's working with lawmakers on gun violence and the mental health legislation legislation there as well. So she's she's not only talking a good game, she's making things happen. She's a gifted communicator with access to the divine, which I love, of course, and the spiritual realm as a medium. So she's got her left brain, right brain thing going on, for those of you who know what that is. Um, and she's a Reiki practitioner, an intuitive consultant, and a graduate of four of our Essence of Being major play shops and our Conscious Leadership Academy uh, Tier 2. So she has now been certified as one of our blessed Essence of Being certified life coaches. So she has indulged us, um, or just thanked let my lucky stars that she said yes that she wanted to run this evening with all of you here and uh, this is something that's near and dear to her heart so I will be listening so don't talk bad about her when I'm my my <laughs> when my camera goes off okay so Elisa welcome thank you I'm so excited that you're doing this and I'll see you guys back in a little little bit is that good Yep. Great. Thank you, Burge. What are we going to talk about, Elisa? Turbulent times and how to get out of the blame game. Excellent. All right. And we've talked about this for quite a bit. So uh, she's ready for you. So yeah. uh, go for it. Great. 
Thank you so much, Burge. I'm really honored and excited to be doing this, especially first time in 10 years since she handed the reins over to somebody to do this power hour. So thank you all so much for being here. And for those watching this recording later, um, thank you for doing this. I think this is a really important issue. So Burge said that my background is in media and politics. So usually when I'm on a Zoom call like this, I'm giving somebody a policy update or teaching people how to talk to legislators. Um, one of the big issues that we're talking about here in Tennessee is after the Covenant shooting in March. It's been a lot of discussion around mental health and gun violence. And those are two of the top issues facing our country today. Gun violence just pulls people apart. And it's just one of the areas of divisiveness that are that's separating us as a country, as communities, as families. So um, I'm hoping that as we talk through how to navigate some of these issues and get out of the blame game, that you'll be able to look at other areas of your life, not just politics and media, but where in your life might you be laying blame and maybe not stepping up and taking responsibility. So um, we're going to be really interactive as these power hours go, um, you know, talking back and forth. I'll ask for input examples. And um, if you can, if you can get, grab a pen and a piece of paper, because I'm going to walk you through an exercise. So over the past few years, with, with everything that's been going on in our country, socially, culturally, politically, a lot of my friends, neighbors, um, family members, loved ones have asked me, because of my background, how did we get here? Why are people being so nasty to each other? What's going on in our country? Have you all felt that or asked yourselves that? I see show of hands. It's just mind boggling how we got to this place. So we're going to talk today about the turbulent times in which we're living. And I'm going to offer you some reasons why I think this might be happening and then invite you to see where you might be playing a role in this. And I'll give you some tips on how to change that. So Let's just sit for a minute and, and think about these turbulent times. And where this often comes up for us is holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, even maybe, maybe the 4th of July picnic earlier this month. So imagine sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner with your relatives. And Uncle Joe is sitting in the corner, and there he goes again about the president, just whoever the president is. It's getting awkward and uncomfortable because some family members like the other guy that ran for president. And before you know it, people are getting up and leaving the table. There's been an argument, finger pointing, and now they're not talking to each other. This is a phenomenon that is occurring in our country daily. In fact, in recent years, we've started seeing news reports about the divisiveness over the holidays. Families aren't coming together because they're fighting over everything from vaccinations of the pandemic to presidential politics. And this is becoming very common, the, the degree of divisiveness. You see it on the news. 
You see it on social media, even friends like on Facebook will start engaging in arguments with nasty comments. Where I've seen it is on a platform called nextdoor.com, which is, I don't know if it's in every community, but um, it's for neighborhoods, people join and they talk about things in their neighborhood. And then they'll complain about everything from potholes to why isn't the trash getting picked up? And why is the neighbor down the street letting their dog run loose? And before you know it, there's 40 comments. It's because they're lazy. Well, they probably don't work. Well, don't you see the kind of car that they're driving? And the kind of nastiness that's taking place. Um, we see things on social media, just conversations about law enforcement, racism, um, what did that teacher or school board member say? What did that parent do? So-and-so is racist, or maybe they're gay or anti-gay. It just feels endless. It, and I don't know about you all, but I just feel overwhelmed in just how does this, how is this ever going to end? Do you all feel overwhelmed sometimes? I'm seeing a lot of nods, a lot of nods. So I'd like you to just pause for a minute and, and think about a time where you might have seen somebody on social media, maybe in the past week, just go off or get ticked off about something. Or maybe you did. Maybe you went off on somebody on social media. Or maybe you just turned off the computer and walked away. Maybe you've bullied someone over their political beliefs, their religious beliefs, or maybe you've been bullied. Can you all think of a situation where that happened? Does anybody feel like sharing? I know with me, the, the situation happened a couple of years ago when I lived in Florida, in Tallahassee, and I was on social media and happened to make a, it was a smart aleck comment, but it was all in fun about Florida State losing that weekend, their, their football game. And somebody attacked me for it. And then my other friends on social media took up for me and started attacking her. And this person ended up unfriending me on Facebook and she no longer had any business communication with me. Like we were colleagues and completely cut the friendship and the business relationship off just because of a comment on social media I made about Florida State. So I've learned not to talk about football, politics, or religion on social media. So um, have you all seen that? Can you give an example? Yeah, I can give an example. Um, mm -hmm. there, was a, there was a situation where my husband and my nephew were talking about politics and there was, it got into a heated argument and then each of them told each other that you don't know what you're talking about. And he said, uncle, even you don't know what you're talking about. And it was kind of, I had to be the referee and said, okay, enough, stop it. <laughs> so that energy, of, you know, it kind of left a 
unsettled energy between them. Um, so I, I can see, you know, what you're saying. So how people get heated up and um, so it really doesn't matter. You know, any topic just comes up. It doesn't matter, but it it causes this rift between relationships, which is not not good. Right, right. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Anyone else? I'm not out and about very much, but um, what I find is, or what I see is that before, even if I have divided opinions or you are in whatever party, you accept each other anyway. But now they don't. Right. I think we've lost that. Yeah. So I'm going to get into a couple of reasons why I think this is happening. And I'd also like to hear input from you all. I think there's a reason why we're having this blaming and finger pointing. And it's because we have allowed ourselves to become victims. We have given away our power. We have given away our power to politicians. How many times do you hear people say, oh, those people in Congress um, or those legislators? Voter turnout. How many people actually go vote? Here in the state of Tennessee, we actually have the lowest voter turnout of the country, 30%. But if you follow anything in the news, we've got some crazy stuff going on in Tennessee. And I think it's a direct correlation with low voter turnout. We have not stood up and taken our power, okay? We blame the media for fake news. We've given away our power to the media. Just, you know, we just close our eyes, we're done. And close our ears, we're done. We don't want to hear or see it. But let's bring it down to our communities and neighborhoods. This isn't just about politics. Um, we blame mayors for potholes. We blame the president for gas prices. Um, you know, we blame our schools for different teaching curriculums. You know, there's so much blame and finger pointing. And this is what happens when we are in a victim mindset. And we talk a lot about this at the essence of being for those of you all have been I, i'm not sure if everybody's been to essence of being but um if you haven't or you're watching this um this whole idea of living in a victim mentality can really cause a lot of unhappiness in our own lives and so some of the things that we might say to ourselves is well if so and so would only do this maybe things would be better or why did this have to happen why are they trying to change things? They're taking something from me. Things were better before. You might have heard people say this when they're complaining on social media. This is how a person with a victim mindset talks. We blame, we shame, we justify. We justify our thoughts, our beliefs, our opinions, well, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. It's like we have to argue with the person so that we can justify our own beliefs. So how did we get here? Some historians might say it goes back to the way our country was founded. You know, it was founded in a time when, you know, we had slavery and women couldn't vote. Um, some religious leaders might say it's because people have left the church. Right now, um, 
less than half people, uh, there was a study I just saw, less than half of Americans identify with a religion and maybe only a third go to church. Um, some people might say it's when a particular president was elected or when the economy turned, or maybe it was the pandemic. Um, why do you think we got here? Do you all have any reasons or thoughts about this? Inga said it's about, there used to be respect for the other parties and we've lost that, the political parties. No, well, I don't really know why people, why people can't get along. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are all so different, We, even though we are the same, but I mean, we have all these different cultures, all these different races mm -hmm. and uh, a big melting pot. So why do we have to blame others or we can change anybody else anyway? Mm -hmm. I don't have Hi, I don't know. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, hi, Kim. Hi. So, boy, I'm listening to what you're saying. Um, I agree with you about cultures. And my thought on blending of cultures, as our government has been doing for like the past 50 years, it's, been, it's part of the Agenda 2030, you know, to make one utopic society. So it's all part of the big scheme of things, right? And um, what better place to start than the United States as a world power, right? So, so we're blending all of these cultures and human beings as a rule, all species of humanoid species um, have always been pack animals. I mean, if you think about it, we are pack animals, right? And um, like, like wolves, so to speak, or, 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 uh, hawks or whatever so i don't think that i think that the government is forcing different cultures to coexist and sometimes you know some cultures you know let's take for example the latino cultures you know i really admire their culture because they're big on huge families and get-togethers and connections you know and people can be an individual and you know you're still family blood is thicker than water but um yeah there's a big fragmentation because of the i'm going to use the word new world order and blending cultures and not all cultures are the same and right. everyone's ego everyone's ego gets in the way because we all have egos we're we're three-dimensional beings in most cases we can't see beyond our three dimensions and um our experience beyond our three dimensions and yeah that's my thought <laughs> thank you oh thank you and yeah definitely i've heard about the new world order everybody you know trying to be one society and really there's so many things that we cannot control we could not control the spread of the covid virus or how our government responded there there were so many other political things going on. It's so outside of our control. And that's where I think we feel overwhelmed. So, but we can move from this position of victimhood and overwhelm. Overwhelm is a choice. You can choose to be overwhelmed. In order to make the shift, we have to take personal responsibility for ourselves. This is all about taking our personal power back. Okay. 
So this means taking responsibility for our own thoughts, our own beliefs, and our own actions. And it means being able to explore why we think and act the way we do. So maybe it's a particular political position or how you feel about a certain group of people. Person, personal responsibility means understanding why, taking the time to figure out yourself and why you think this. Maybe it has to do with the experiences that you had as a child or growing up. Maybe it's the way that you were, you were raised. For instance, I don't understand racism. I don't get it. And I did grow up in the South and it is prevalent here. And I grew up with people who I would consider racist. And it is the way that they were brought up. And I don't excuse that, but um, it helps me to understand that. And I'll get into that in a few minutes. When you start respecting and honoring your own beliefs and your own thoughts and your own opinions, it frees you from having to convince others to come to your side. Again, like the example Malka gave where the father and son were saying, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. I see on Facebook a lot of like arguing and people saying, well, why don't you believe this? And they argue and argue in order to get the person to come to their side. But if you're comfortable with where you are and your thoughts and beliefs, you don't have to do that. You're freed from having to get in those arguments. You don't have to think about other people's thoughts and beliefs. You're not responsible for how they act, what they think. Because you're standing in the power of your own thoughts and your opinions, and that's enough. And that's freedom. This is about owning your thoughts, beliefs, and opinions. We can't control gas prices. We can't control the war in Ukraine. We can control how we respond to other people's thoughts and beliefs, okay? So that might look like um, understanding them more. And we'll get into some techniques about how, how you can better understand people, where they're coming from, and why they believe what they do, okay? So we're gonna get into a, um, a little exper experiential experiment here. And what I'm hoping you can do is look at places in your life where you might be blaming other people. So this isn't just about politics or media or things going on in your neighborhood community. Oftentimes when we lay blame with our government leaders, uh, school board members, mayors, whatever, we might be laying blame on other people in our lives, our spouses, our friends, our family members. And are you willing to get vulnerable for a minute and walk through an exercise with me? Sure. All right. Okay. So I want you to think of someone in the past, or maybe it's somebody currently, where you had a disagreement. Maybe somebody who has a very divisive personality, or it could be politically, it could be maybe you don't like um, the 
the way they're raising their kids. <laughs> There's a, somebody who just really ticks you off, okay? Maybe a colleague at work, a friend. I'll give you a minute. Are you talking about me or to everybody? Everybody. Everybody. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so focus on one person. And I want you to write down the name of the person. Okay, everybody got somebody in mind? Inga, you're struggling? Yeah. You don't get, you don't get ticked off by anybody? As I said, I'm too isolated. <laughs> I don't know. Drivers. That this might be a good opportunity to figure out why you're isolated. Because you work from home. That's why. <laughs> what? What did you say? Because you work from home? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe there's a celebrity or a political figure that takes you off. Well, I can think of, of one, yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. That's a politician. <laughs> and again, we don't want to get into politics. That's the only thing I can think of. Of course, all yeah. of those people yeah. that piss me off. Yeah. You muted yourself. And this is what we're talking about is those people who are running our country, who are um, in charge of our schools, our, our workplaces, um, yeah. people who we've given up our power to. Um, when we walk through this exercise, we're going to learn how to detach from that. Okay. So now that you have the person in mind, I want you to think your, about your now feeling. How do you feel about that person? Are you angry? Disgust. Disgust, that's, that's a powerful word. Anybody wanna offer up a word, an emotion? It's turned off. Turned off? Frustrated. Frustrated. Lots of frustration. Disbelief. Yeah, disbelief. Anger. Anger. Okay. These are all, yeah, very strong feelings. Now the next question. Can I allow myself to really feel this feeling? I hear the words, I hear the words disgust, I hear disbelief, I hear anger. Can you sit in that emotion? Yes. Yes, but I don't want to. <laughs> and when you don't want to, what do you end up doing? Uh, getting more pissed off. <laughs> mm -hmm. You distract yourself. Do you like maybe turn off the yeah. TV or distract myself? Yeah. Get busy with other things. Yeah. Thank you, Leslie. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> By the way, thanks for joining.
So can you really feel it? Like, can, can you allow yourself to cry, stomp your feet, throw something, preferably a pillow, <laughs> something soft? <laughs> So we should try to stay in that emotion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In this culture, in our country, we try to cover things up. We gloss it over. We don't allow ourselves to process the emotions. And so the idea here is to access it, access the emotion, because you can't dismiss something that you can't hold in experience. This might feel very uncomfortable. Are you feeling uncomfortable? Might be making you more mad? Yes. <laughs> What's it feeling like to you all to be in this space? Uncomfortable is a good word for that. Yeah. Helpless. Helpless? Helpless. Oh, yes. helpless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is an energy. This is an energy. It's an emotion that you're sitting in. Now, the next question, could I let it go? Yeah. I think for some people they might have difficulty letting go of of the negative emotion because it it um it gives them something to focus their um their frustration and their their discontent on. Does that make any sense? Right. They're, I think Kim said it best, their helplessness, their victimhood. Mm -hmm. it, it gives them an other to blame. Right. Exactly. Very good, Leslie. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question is after, could I let it go? Would I let it go? There's a difference. You could let it go, but would you let it go? When when you say let it go, do you mean that we have the ability just to say, okay, it's gone? Or mm -hmm. we I know mm -hmm. I've got to process reasons why I should let it go and go through a whole scenario. So yes. is it possible just to let it go without going through all of that negative energy and torment? Yeah, you could. You can make a decision. It's, overwhelm is a choice. Yeah. Well, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You could. You could. Now, I know I'm guilty of having to understand it and feel it and process it and, and then let it go. But, you know, maybe that is my process. So, could I let it go? Yes. Would I? Yes. So the next question is when? When can I let it go? So calling for you, it could be, well, let me work through this.
I'd like to share. So when there is a negative emotion, I think it's it's important to feel it in the body, mm -hmm. process it, and then let it go. Then mm -hmm. just letting it go because um, <clears throat> isn't it true that you have to not have to, but you it's important to feel it to release it, right? Which is why the the first question, the second question is, what's my now feeling? And can I allow it? Can I allow myself to feel this? Can I allow this feeling? Mm -hmm. You sit in the energy. Lisa, I feel like I have to either resolve it or like do something about it or, you know, because it's, it's weighing heavy on me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I almost feel like I need to fix it or something, you mm -hmm. know? What, what if I can't? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's very frustrating. You just get yourself more frustrated. But it makes you take action. Yeah, but sometimes it does make you take action, you know, if there is an actionable uh, item, you know, to resolve right. something. Right. I know, for instance, when I get angry, um, it... It, especially with politics, which is what we're talking about, it forces me to take action. But um, especially with advocacy, I teach people how to talk with legislators. But what has happened to me over the years is I just get so upset that it wears on me. And yes, my anger fuels me, but in the end, the anger eats away at me. So yes, it forces me to take action, but to what end? To what end? My own well being? You know, and it's interesting you bring this up because when I think about politics, I I let that go because it seems like it's way bigger than something that I can fix or solve. Mm -hmm. um, I just know that, you know, by me sitting in that and letting that go, it's all for the greater good, you know, it's, but when I think about personal um, unresolved issues or family members where there's friction or mm -hmm. unresolved issues or wrongdoings. Um, that's really what I'm feeling like I need to either resolve or fix that. Like that's more palatable or mm -hmm. I don't know. So I, I see a difference between those two, you know, you bring up a really great point. So you've let go of the politics, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not triggered by it anymore. Are you? Mm -hmm. See, when we let it go, we're not triggered. Well, I can be triggered when I think about um, Yeah, I, I I kind of you know have that filter or whatever and just and and what you said, I stand in my power and knowing what my beliefs are and I stand true to that. Right. I'm, that, I'm solid. It's just when, I guess when it's more pers really personal in family instances, that's where it gets more difficult for me anyway right but do you have any more control over your i'm just gonna say mother-in-law i'm just guessing than you do over the president of the united states it's the same thing you you have you don't control their actions their thoughts and no more than the you know leaders of russia or north korea you know and your loved ones are equally the people who are causing this pain and friction. You have no more control over them either. Well, yes and no, but it just causes more 
friction amongst the family. And it's like, you have to come to some kind of consensus or middle ground. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that conflict negotiation, you know, like that's more real than, okay, yes, if I got in an argument about politics with somebody that had different views, I can still stand in my power and kind of let that go and know that I'm not there to change them per se. But when it's affecting the well-being of someone in my family because of someone else's actions in my family, then right. it becomes really personal. And there has to be some kind of resolve or compromise. Does, does there? Does there? In the instance that I'm referring to, yes. Okay. Okay. So, well, that makes it hard. yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you for sharing that. And so I want to give some practical t- tools. And so, and maybe these will help your situation, Marcella. <laughs> so, the exercise that we just went through, it's called the Sedona method. And it's something that you can do when you're in a situation, like Marcella, you said your personal situation a work situation and you write the name of the person down. What is my now feeling? Can I allow this feeling? Can I let it go? Would I let it go? And when? And you have to get to yes. And when you can let it go. And once you, you just keep cycling through it, cycling through it, And it may not be the first time through that you let it go. It could take several days. It could take a while. Colleen said that you were, you know, you have to process it. And she has, she has to process it. And, but the idea is you, you let it go. You gain a lot of freedom when you do this and you're no longer attached to the outcome of, of the other person and what they do and the trigger, you know, Oftentimes those triggers are still going to be there. It's just how they're activated. We can, we can diminish our response to them. Okay. I was, I was hoping to find another way rather than go through the turmoil of processing that way, because it's quite exhausting through your whole life. So I thought if there was a shortcut that wouldn't be uh, damaging, you know, it would still be good energy that. Yeah. If anybody has one, that would be great. Well, so I would say that we have to go through the bad times to enjoy the good times. It's content. And that is part of our journey as as humans. And, you know, I call it the hero's journey. And that's something that Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about, the hero's journey, that it's not all failures and mistakes. We go through these experiences to learn about love, we have to understand pain, and then we value love. And this, these negative experiences are just teaching you that that's where the growth comes is in those negative times. Hmm. So when you, when you shift your mindset and look at it as a growth experience, there's an opportunity there. Using the Sedona method is a shortcut. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. So I'm going to give you some practical tools. But first, I want to give you some things to think about, because I know this has been a a lot to process and, and different insights. So when you encounter other people like Marcella, your, your family members, 
whether it's on a personal level, collective, political level, whatever, understand that there is a story behind the other person's thoughts, actions, and beliefs, okay? When people attack us for our beliefs, our way of being, there's usually a strong emotional charge at the core. There's a reason why they're coming after us with such vigor and, and anger. You can actually explore this with the other person. And when we do this, we diffuse the situation and we're free to learn and understand why people believe what they do. It usually comes from a life experience and everybody has a story. So Burge mentioned earlier that I was a lobbyist and I've been involved in some really controversial issues. And um, one issue had to do around women's rights. Okay. And so of course, pro-life, pro-choice, that's one of the biggest, most controversial issues facing our, our nation and our world, you know? And when I started asking people like, why do you feel so strongly about this? One of the things I learned is that people, women who are very pro-life, a lot of them have had trouble conceiving children. They couldn't have babies. And so abortion is very hurtful for them. And I never knew that. And I had compassion. I in a way that I never thought I would have on this issue. You create empathy. And it, I felt like that was a growth experience for me. And I felt, I felt empowered. So always, you know, you have an opportunity there to look at the story behind the actions and the beliefs. Okay. The second concept is people generally respond out of fear or love. Marianne Williamson talks about this. She's running for president. This is not an endorsement. We're not getting into politics <laughs> in that way. But um, what we're seeing a lot in our country is fear-based decisions. Um, there's a fear of losing traditional family values versus people who want to be maybe a different gender or... Um, come out of the closet, so to speak, and, and express themselves in, in that way. There's um, fear of losing financial security. There's a lot of fear these days over a lack of affordable housing. Imagine having potentially your housing being taken away because you can't afford rent. And so when you hear somebody complain, or as Burge says, bitch, whine, moan, <laughs> the lower level, um, below the line actions, listen to that fear. Tap into that fear and then check your own fear before you respond, okay? Ask yourself, am I responding out of fear or am I responding out of love? Is what is coming out of my mouth going to benefit somebody or hurt someone? That is taking personal responsibility. That is standing in your power and that is getting out of the victimhood and blame game. Okay. Number three, and Birch talks about this a lot. Look at their innocence. Look at them as a little kid. That person who frustrates you, that person who's really angered you. It could be somebody in the line at the grocery store, the, the server at the uh, 
the restaurant that charged me $2 for ice the other night. I was not happy. But, you know, look at their innocence. And that helps you with empathy. Sometimes when people dig in with their thoughts and beliefs, it's because they don't know what the other side. The person who grew up as a racist doesn't know what it's like not to be racist. There's a lot of fear there. Are they going to be rejected by their family? And you don't have to understand or approve of the way they think and act. But just look at them as an innocent child. And, you know, sometimes kids don't know better, right? And then four is you don't have to accept their beliefs. Just try to understand. And this is this what creates the empathy. And people want to feel heard and understood. And so those insights that I just gave you are some really good ways to help people feel like they've been gotten. Burge talks about getting gotten, right? And I'm going to give you some tips on three things that you can say, like if you're in a conversation with somebody, like that Thanksgiving dinner that we talked about, okay? So whether it's a political issue or maybe you, I, I see a lot of families talking about ways to handle handle kids or what to do with grandma when she needs to go to a nursing home. And, you know, there, there's so many things that can cause family conflict. So here's one thing you can say. You seem really passionate about this. Can you tell me more? Another thing you can say is, what has been your experience with blank? Whatever the issue is. That's the storytelling. That's learning the story behind the belief, the life experience. It sounds like you have some concerns. Can you help me understand? So when we do this, we we create empathy and the other person feels heard, gotten. It, it opens the door to communication. And this is the way of taking responsibility. Because when you diffuse your own triggers and you listen to the other person, this is empowerment. Empathy is empowerment. And this is especially helpful when you are talking with somebody who might be as maybe conscious as you are, spiritually awakened. Um, maybe you get frustrated because like they don't understand where you are with your journey in life. It's always good to stop and ask those questions. And you're not attacking. And you might not agree or understand where they're coming from but at least you can see their point better. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just think it's brilliant. I, I agree. I think those are very um, compassionate and empowering questions to ask the other person. Um, because when you're, when you're asking those questions, you're demonstrating that 
you're listening to them and you want to know more. Right. It's also coming from a neutral space. So a lot of times, as we know, with resistance, you know, they push harder, um, the harder you push. So sometimes even the way that you're phrasing the question can all have them come up with divisiveness, defensiveness already, just the way you word it. Right. So like that. Very good. And, and also, like when you ask them, can you tell me more? what has been your experience you're encouraging and inviting them to explore their own feelings and thoughts which is what we talked about earlier when we want to stand in our own power it's important for us to understand why we think the way that we do so i used to get really bent out of shape about um well and i still kind of do <laughs> um the lack of access to health care in our country and um, why it takes people with certain money to access better services, basic health care. And that's something that I, as a lobbyist and an advocate, have fought for pretty much my entire career is access to health care. Do you guys want to hear my story? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when I was growing up, my father... Um, had his first, well, had his uh, heart attack when he was 29 years old. And we moved to Nashville when I was nine and at age, he was 36 and he had a heart condition and he needed bypass surgery. And it happened to be that Nashville and Houston in 1976 were the only cities that were performing this crazy new bypass surgery at the time and he had the surgery and then we moved to East Tennessee and he took a job and he wasn't happy there and there's a lot of political dynamics there and he was miserable in this job and this was like in the 80s and early 90s but he had to stay in this job because by this point he had the heart conditions he had diabetes, he had high blood pressure. And back then, if you left your job and went to another job, the health insurance plan didn't have to accept you for pre-existing conditions. So he stayed in a job he didn't like. He was miserable. He made all of us miserable. It was not a fun household. And all because he couldn't access healthcare that he needed. But he was willing to sacrifice himself and he didn't want to lose the coverage for the family. And that made such an impression on me that that is something that I felt that I needed to stand up and fight for. So we all have stories. And I've gotten, you know, so kind of self-righteous about it in previous years. I've mellowed out because I've learned not to be so triggered about it. But um, again, we all have the story. Oh. Anybody else want to share anything? We have a few minutes. Hi, this is Leslie. Um, could you repeat those three phrases again? I just, um, <laughs> I really loved them because it just, it felt, you know what it felt like? It felt like kindness. Yeah. It, it, it did. When those three questions felt like kindness to the person that you're saying them to, um, it didn't feel like um, you were being 
judgmental. It didn't feel like you were forcing them to justify or qualify. It really felt like, hey, I really want to understand you a little better. It, it felt like kindness. So um, yeah. if you could repeat them, because I want to write them down. That would yes, be awesome. Yes, absolutely. Um, and again, this is all about you taking responsibility and getting out of the victimhood. And you can see how in these turbulent times, these phrases could calm things. So the first one is, you seem really passionate about this. Can you tell me more? The second one is, what has been your experience with, with this? And the third one is, it sounds like you have some concerns. Can you help me understand? Hi, I have a quick comment to make about those questions. Okay. So, so if a person asks another person those questions, they genuinely need to be actively listening and um in today's lifestyle you know people are generally pulled in multiple directions so they can't fully um they can't fully focus their 100 percent attention on their responses a lot of times so you know that's something to be considered in asking those questions that the person that asks the questions needs to be make sure that they're fully present in that conversation, right? That is a really great point. In fact, I think we could do a whole session, a whole power hour on how to listen. Um, because Burge talks a lot about um, 12 blocks to listening. For instance, um, we often try to compare their answer and like rehearse it in our head, or, you know, we are trying to one up. There's, whole yes that's a great point kim so thank you for bringing that up thank yeah. you for listening <laughs> <laughs> thank you Alicia, there, what, i was going to say one more thing is so okay so now you asked these questions and you've maybe given them the opportunity to totally rant on their views or whatever and of course now what what do you after they've spewed whatever they're going to talk about out, then what? <laughs> understand that they have a story. Understand that they're operating either out of fear or love. Understand that they have an innocence. And then understand that you don't have to accept their beliefs and thoughts. You don't have to take responsibility for that. That's great, Elisa. Awesome. And I'll add to that. You don't have to take responsibility. They don't have to take responsibility for, for yours either. So you don't have to try to convince each other who's right. That's where it starts getting crazy. About, right. I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. And can we all be right? That's a question. So it's but this, everybody this, just wants to be heard. Everybody correct. just wants to be heard. That's the bottom line. Right. Correct. We're not feeling heard. We're not getting gotten. Well, 
it when you um when you use these three things and you get to the end of the conversation and it's still not pleasant, how how do you gracefully and etiquettely bow out without any friction? That's a great question. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your honesty. I understand. I understand it better. That's it. You don't have to come to a conclusion. You don't have to give up on what you think and believe. This is a, a human experience that you're having with somebody in exchange. Just look at it that way. Just simply understanding, practicing empathy, and just learning. So the the, the distinction here is choosing, uh, again, a resolution as opposed to a compromise. And the differences between compromise and resolution is that a compromise feels like, all right, I'll give in to what you think now, but you owe me because now it's going to be my turn next time. Because now I'm giving, it feels like we're giving in, we're giving up some of perhaps what we believe, or maybe they're feeling like they're trying to be convinced and they're giving up. And so they're going to be, it's like a tit for tat, you know, when you compromise, sometimes that can come up. So choose to look at it as a resolution where you can agree to disagree, or a resolution is you both can um, come to a, an understanding that there is no outcome here. A resolution can look like, I'm not trying to convince you and you're not trying to convince me, but we can agree that we have, that we both have these belief systems and we can still get along. Right. That's a resolution that you both could possibly agree to because love can overshadow everything. So if they're friends or if they're family, say, I love you. And no matter what, I will always love you. And that's how I want to hold our relationship. Or I like you and I want to hold that uh, as a relationship. And that's the resolution I want to hold. And um, so it becomes so that it, you feel good with your decision. They feel good with their decision. And you agree to disagree perhaps in some things. But over, over and above all of that, you still connect and you still feel heard. And you still feel gotten. Heard. Can I add something to that? I just heard that I thought was really cool. You said blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. There wasn't a but. I hear what you're saying, and I find that we'll both agree to disagree. There wasn't uh, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still right. It was, I hear what you're saying, and we're going to have different viewpoints, and that's okay. So. There's no buts. Great. It sounds Perfect. like it sounds like resolutions are ands. Compromises are buts. <laughs> oh, I like what? that. Yeah. Thanks. So for you all being here, um, and I again I thank you for that. Uh, you will get an email about a 30 minute session with me. So we can talk about anything that came up for you this evening. Or uh, maybe I can just provide some guidance for you and, you know, an area of life where you need support. So again, thank you for showing up. And um, we've got some announcements. Chastity and Bird, as we speak, are packing for Phoenix for Essence of Being this weekend. 
So there's still, still time to sign up and fly out there. <laughs> um, Higher Vibes, August 4 to 6, is going to be in Edinburgh, Texas. And it's a really great workshop. I've, I've been to it. It helped me figure out where my intuitive gifts were and, and helped me further how I could serve other people. So it gives you a safe, sacred space for you to gain clarity about your higher self and connection to source. So again, that's August 4th through 6th. Then you can join Burge online for um, Shamanasta Speaks. You'll get to experience her connect to the divine and get messages. And that's really cool. And then finally, August 25th through 27th is Passionate Manifestation in Atlanta. That's the second in the series of her workshops after EOB. So you can check essenceofbeing.com for the schedule of events. And um, any questions you can send to info at essenceofbeing.com. Anything else you want to add, Burge? I just want to say, wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much, Elisa, for being here. You rocked it. I listened to all of you and you were coming up with some great uh, experiences. And those, uh, I think the person who was asking for the shortcut left, but. No, she, Colleen, Colleen. Colleen. The short, uh, somebody left. But anyway, the shortcut also is using that Sedona method is very quick. And you do it very quickly. You don't have to sit there and hold it like we did tonight. She was doing that just to give you an example, an experience of that. But you can do it very quickly. And the whole idea is to move through it very quickly. And the EFT is an emotional freedom technique. It's a tapping technique you can use, which we have all that information at Essence of Being and other places. So you can also send uh, an email if you would like some more uh, tools because we we're, we love giving you tools. And the tools that you gave tonight, Lisa, was, was brilliant. And how to speak and how to move through this turmoil that sometimes people just don't, they're not seen and heard and they don't know how to do an I feel like saying, which is the last thing I'll say is a great tool where you can be present with each other. And you can say what I feel like saying is, and you don't interrupt, you don't ask questions, you don't contradict, you just listen. And it really teaches you how to actively listen to each other. And then you take turns doing that. So there's what I feel like saying is blah. And you say whatever it is, the other person listens. And then it's the other person's turn. What I feel like saying is blah. And then it goes back and forth. So it's a really great tool to use. Uh, but uh, we have so many. But join us next time in August. Uh, I'll be back doing the power hour. Uh, Elisa, unless you just want to take it over for, for good, because you're awesome. Um, so uh, it was awesome. So very lively discussion. And uh, next August, the August one will be the August 16th. And we're going to be, I'll be back live with you. And it'll be about the power of play. Dun, dun, dun. Because we're so serious. Everything's so serious. The power of play and really giving you very unique experiences of the more that you play, the more that you open up your creativity and the more you open up the flow to the universe and beyond. So thank you for showing up tonight. Thank you, Elisa. How'd she yeah. do, everybody? Awesome. awesome. Bravo. Thank you guys Yay. for being here. <laughs> thank she was you. great. Thank great. you. And I'll see you next time. And um, uh, hopefully we'll see you in person soon, everyone. Yes, in Texas. Bye. All right. See you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.
Do you want to stay on and? Yeah, let me stop the recording. I.